Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up and Unfold podcast and Happy New Year! I am so excited about how this podcast has become a channel which delivers more of a holistic message and focuses on different areas of our lives, which completely aligns with what I believe. I truly believe that as human beings, we aren't truly happy unless all areas of our lives are taken care of. And that's why I have opened the mic for experts in different areas under the personal development umbrella. I mean, we have talked about mental health, We have talked about money mindset, manifestation, and topics like procrastination and imposter syndrome that, in my opinion, are what I categorize as the background work. I believe we have to work on these until they serve as a purpose and are aligned with our desires so that we have a strong base to move forward and work on our wildest dreams without falling apart. We also talked about hustle culture, social media validation, and I even shared a little bit of my story and how I ended up here. And it is just so fulfilling to see the podcast growing and evolving as I transform myself. But my mission will always be showing you all the different possibilities available out there that will help you create the reality of your dreams and that will help you live the incredible life you deserve. We all have gone through such a hard and painful year, and hopefully 2020 has taught us some valuable lessons that we can take with us moving forward. Now we started a new cycle, and we know better. We're stronger. We're wiser. So let's all give ourselves permission to let this year be the best one yet. For 2021, what I want to all my friends and listeners who have been dreaming about becoming financially independent is to manifest their truest desires. So with all that said, folks, on today's episode, I bring possibility, action, and resource. Our guest today is the founder of Camille Outside the Box, Lauren Schroll. Alongside her business, Lauren is also currently an operations project manager at a startup company in Hillsboro, Oregon, where she's based. She found her business in May of 2020 to incorporate her blog, where she shares small business and startup strategies, tech recommendations, and growth mindset articles. One of her key strengths is tying together patterns and insights from working in multiple fields. Since launching, her blog has morphed into connecting with business owners and offering advice and clarity on a one-on-one basis with early-stage startup CEOs. Lauren's mission is to help early-stage startup founders go from concept to customer using clarity and focus to avoid breaking the bank. This was a quite interesting conversation, so I hope this podcast episode brings you possibility and resource and answer some of your questions as well. So without further ado, guys, let's begin. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the Wake Up in Food podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good as well. Before our conversation today, and I feel like I say that every time in my podcast episodes, I have to change that. But uh, before anything, I'm curious to know a little bit about your backstory. What made you fall in love with this startup world? Like, how did everything happen? Yeah, so I am based out of Hillsboro. I am the operations project manager for a local startup out of here called Project Odie. And I also help startup CEOs on a one-to-one basis, um, basically helping them go from concept to customer using a lot of clarity and focus in order to 
basically offset the cost and avoid breaking the bank. But I originally got into that. Um, it was funny during my undergrad experience at Ohio University, I was studying applied nutrition. I was going to be a dietitian, which is totally different than what I currently do right now. And, you know, I was dead set on that, but I went through this course material that really kind of changed my thought process around what I wanted to do. And at the same time, I ended up going on this trip to Washington, D.C., and I ended up connecting with someone at an event who was working on a startup concept for a cafe. And so I was in food nutrition. I was like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. Um, This is, you know, where I'm comfortable. Um, This is my expertise. And so I connected with them and they basically interviewed me like the next day and hired me on within a couple of weeks. And that was really my introduction to the startup world. I worked for that consulting firm for a period of time for the last couple of years. And so I ended up interfacing with several small businesses, several startups, and um, kind of played the role of project manager in all of those different areas. And it was kind of a jack of all trades position. Um, And so I really embraced through my undergrad experience. And it was so different from what I was doing. Um, But I was like, you know, I need to pay the bills and all this stuff. And basically, I, I just fell into it completely. You know, it just took me away from nutrition. I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and so that really led me to obtaining the position that I am in today through word of mouth and also starting my blog and business Camille outside the box this year, where I really share marketing, SEO tips, um, mindset advice to small businesses and early startup CEOs to help them in their journey. That's an incredible story and incredible transformation. So you actually answered one of the questions I had, which is, you know, what made you transition from the nutrition world to dive deep into the startup world? But I have heard about startups, especially in the last five years, I I would say, like a lot. Well, I have an idea what it is, but every time I think of a startup, I think of like small business. So what would you say would be a good definition for what a startup actually is? I would say the best definition, to put it really simply, is a company that exists to innovate. Really, that's the sole purpose of what they're doing. The the product or service or offer that they have is just based in innovation. It's an industry disruptor or maybe several industries um, disrupting what is currently known in that industry and basically it's a game changer for that. Mm -hmm. It's creating, you know, a service or a product that we originally know, and they're taking it to the next level. They're reinventing it, reinventing the wheel, basically. Um, And it never ceases to happen in a startup that you stop innovating. So a startup is just consistently innovating um, for its customer base. And I I think another way to note startups is that they have more questions than answers. That's a key part of a startup is that there's just so much uncertainty. There's so much risk, but there's so much potential for what could be. It's an interesting concept. Uh, what I'm thinking when you said that it's a company that primarily focuses on innovation, I have like this side question, which is, so let's say, for example, a bank, right? A bank that has physical business, brick and mortar, and all of it has branches all over the country. They are a definition of a business is what we know, right? So right now, uh, especially in the last year, I have seen a lot of uh, virtual banks starting to operate a business, would that be what a startup would be in the like financial field? I would think of that as kind of an industry disruptor. You're taking this kind of, you would expect normally going to the bank that you're approaching the teller, you're in person, you're conducting all those activities at a location, and now suddenly you can do it from anywhere in the world. So from what I know, I would certainly place that in the startup category. 
That's interesting. So what are the main differences between a startup and a small business then? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. That's a common question too. So I kind of use this math analogy, um, and I don't know if they still teach it, but every square is a rectangle, but not every rectangle is a square. And so a lot of startups will start with the same frameworks of a small business. You know, they all start the same way. They all take an initial investment of funding. They all take a measure of risk in order to get that up and running. But a startup, like I mentioned before, usually has a lot more questions than answers. Um, and a good example is kind of your product market fit. So if you start a small business, say, for instance, you're opening a cupcake shop or a bakery, you know, you know what you're serving and you know who you're directly serving. It's not really a question so much there where your product actually fits and who's going to buy it and where that value exchange is going to happen and how you're going to market that versus when you're looking at a startup, you're creating something that's game changing. So you don't necessarily know what that product really looks like to the customer even yet. You know, you don't have mm -hmm. it at its, you know, final iteration point. So there's so many other parts and pieces to that that you still have yet to determine and also where it fits in the marketplace. You know, are you marketing to businesses? Are you marketing to customers directly? You know, what approach are you taking? What does your business model look like? How are you marketing? Because when you're marketing, like you market a cupcake, nobody really questions, you know, what is a cupcake versus your product in a startup where people have a lot more questions of, you know, how does this actually work? What are the steps that I need to take in order to, you know, buy this or experience this? There's just so many more education pieces that need to happen in that marketing equation as you kind of show what results the customer can actually get and benefit from in your offer. I can totally feel how that is clarifying in my head right now. The more you talk about it, I can see a lot of companies that I have been using lately, um, like Robinhood, for example. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that. That is something I have never seen before. And now they have a service that has never been used before, like completely innovating the uh, stock market world. That's crazy. So... In my experience, whenever the startup concept is brought up in a conversation, I never really dove deep into whenever like everyone talked about it. I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about it. So I'm just going to like have a sip of my drink and then you guys talk. But from here in the conversation, one of the main concerns is the funding part, right? So I don't know if this innovation part since it's so uncertain has any impact on like getting loans or or anything like that but in your experience could you explain to us a little bit more about how startups get funding yeah for sure there are so many different avenues and i think if anyone here has ever watched shark tank for example you think that you're pitching to an investor and that's what that process always looks like um and it doesn't always look like that um but i will say that with all of the funding opportunities available, you know, I can't suggest anyone right now that's quote unquote the easiest way of going about it because they all involve a process to really get that funding. Um, and it really goes on a case by case basis. So, you know, the most basic way is bootstrapping. So you take your own funds, your own personal savings, your credit card, and you say, hey, I'm going to invest in my business to the extent that I can um, to get it off the ground, basically, you know, I would say, I guess I would say that one would be the easiest, but again, it's just based on what you have available in terms of resources. Um, the second way is through business loans or using a line of credit. So you'll go into the bank, you'll submit your documents, your application, your business plan, your projections, your, all of those parts and pieces into that process, sitting down with a, a representative and sharing more about your, your startup. And a line of credit, 
is similar to a bank loan, but it's basically reusable. So both of those, you know, are an extensive process in themselves. A line of credit is a little bit more so because it's a reusable loan. Um, another way to go about it is venture capital funding, which is typically what most people hear about. Um, it is definitely an involved process because this is the big bucks. You know, this isn't pocket change by any means. Um, and you are usually operating with several different entities. So you're going through the venture capital firm. That's where the, the general partners are. And then you have your limited partners, which are connected to that firm, which are then institutions in themselves that are providing funding back to that venture capital firm that's going to you as a startup. And so while that one definitely has the pro of you're receiving tons of funding, you do have an involved process. You are giving away some ownership of your company to an extent. Um, and so that's kind of diluting your, your ownership power as a founder. But you also get the trade-off of having, you know, the resources, the advisory value of those entities behind you, kind of backing you. Another way that people really do find popular because it does have kind of a shorter application process, I guess you would say, is the the option of going about crowdfunding, which is going on Indiegogo, Kickstarter, GoFundMe, sharing, you know, an overview of what your concept is and getting people on board. And I would say that's a good way to also kind of get your early customer base interested, which is a strength. And, you know, just the brevity of that process in order to get that up on those platforms. But the downside is, is that your intellectual property is at risk. So unless you have patents and trademarks and things of that nature to really, you know, make sure that your your intellectual property is safe, your ideas and your business, someone else could come through fishing through that and say, hey, this is a great idea. I have the funding to do this. Let me go and start that. So that that is another way. And those are the, the pros and cons there. So another option that you can look at is an incubator or accelerator. So an incubator is basically what it sounds like where you're basically incubating your concept, you're nurturing it towards a MVP, getting that concept out there. And an accelerator, a really popular one would be Y Combinator. But those accelerator programs are usually, you know, you're fast tracking your MVP to meet the demand of the public. So those are two different opportunities um, that are closely related to each other. Um, they're highly competitive, of course, and some of them do require you to relocate, but they have like a funding opportunity, they have mentorship um, and additional assistance to help back you up. And then finally, you can do a grant funding approach. So organizations and nonprofits, you can check their, their websites and resources and materials and be able to apply for their grants in order to get money that you do not have to pay back. You don't have to give up equity or ownership of your company in order to do so. And um, that's a definite benefit for a lot of founders with that. Um, but I will say that having written grants in the past, it's a, a very time-consuming process. It typically takes months to do. So it sounds like there's more options than I originally thought. So this is actually a good thing. So what would you say would be the best way for someone to get funding, like in your personal opinion? So I think the best way for a business owner to approach this is just look at what resources they have available in their instance. And for a lot of business owners, I typically seen this as, you know, the bootstrapping approach where, you know, you don't have to expend extra energy to look for additional funding elsewhere, whatever you can do on your own personal end in order to be able to get that off the ground is going to be really beneficial. Um, some of the accelerator and incubator programs are good to look at in the meantime um, and look at those as a potential option. But I would say any way that you can get funding that doesn't dilute your company, company ownership. So looking at maybe grant funding, if you really are pressed to 
keep ownership of your company, but also get a source of funding that you don't need to repay. So what's a good indicator that someone would benefit more from launching a startup instead of a small business? Yeah, so I would definitely say that there are a couple of different indicators. I think one is just personal to you, knowing your your mindset and knowing your own qualities, your your strengths is, you know, are you a person that can adapt? Can you pivot? Can you change? Is that something that is, you know, something ingrained to you? Um, because that's a key part of a startup is being able to pivot and being able to kind of expect the unexpected. You're t- undertaking a lot of risk and you're doing so on a daily basis. Your startup never goes away. Um, it's just like any other business. You always need to put forth the work in it, but it, it takes a lot of, you know, that that ability to adapt to the market and things that change. I mean, 2020, for example, like, you know, we've all had to adapt and change. Um, but is that something that's comfortable for you? Or can you approach that with a level of comfort? Another factor that I think is good to consider in terms of building a startup is your why. So why are you doing what you're doing? But also, why is your product so essential right now? What is the why now for your product? Why does it need to come into being at this moment? You know, what problem are you solving? And to kind of elaborate on that, what are you solving a problem or are you solving an inconvenience? And that's a key question for you to ask yourself. Um, And a good indicator is that you are solving a problem because then when you start to talk to people, when you start to, you know, roll out your website, roll out your landing pages, do your marketing, then you get people nodding their heads and saying, yeah, yeah, I'm totally on board with this because I wish that there was something out there like this. I've never seen something like this before, but I'm totally on board. And that's kind of where you solve that problem that really, you know, keeps people up at night versus an inconvenience that, yeah, it would be really beneficial and it does disrupt the industry to some degree. But at the same time, are people really going to feel that? push to buy your product and buy it right now. I love this um, difference between solving a problem versus solving an inconvenience because I feel like a lot of, especially from people who are starting to open their businesses, one of the questions that we need to ask is what problem do we solve? And I guess I never had that perspective of you're not always solving a problem, you're solving an inconvenience sometimes. And I feel like this difference can be very insightful. So for someone who's interested in learning more about your work and your methodology, where can they um, hang out with you and find more information about how you can help your clients? Yeah, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and send me a message, and I'd love to continue the conversation. You can check out my website, CamilleOutsideTheBox.com. And again, that's where I house my blog, free resources, to give you tips on SEO, marketing, mindset. And I also feature startups and small businesses. So if you are a small business or a startup and you'd love to be featured and love to get in contact with you um, and feel free to connect with me on any of my social channels or submit a contact form on my website. My LinkedIn is Lauren Schroll and my Instagram is Camille Outside the Box. Perfect. I'm going to make sure all of this information goes to the show notes. Thank you so much for uh, being available today and for sharing your wisdom and all of these resources here with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.